Start eight. Nine, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Eleven, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Welcome to the Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new about new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your temporary captain, as evidenced by me stumbling through the standard intro here, Grant Davis. And with me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett. I'm Clyde Haynes. Mike is taking some time to hang out on Risa to rest up. Wish him the best. This week, we are live streaming the pod on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter, covering the sixth episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, Terminal Provocations. Yes, and just a few quick reminders to make sure you've subscribed to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Uh, if you're looking for different places to listen to the podcast, please visit StarTrekPod.co. And if you haven't joined us yet over on Patreon, please do. Our Slack group is probably the best people in the world. And for just $2 an episode, you can be hanging out, doing watch-alongs with us, talking about Star Trek Day in real time. Um, and we also do some bonus pods over there covering lots of old treks. So if you want to hear our opinions on movies or other episodes from Deep Space Nine to Voyager and TNG, that's where you can get it all. So it is patreon.com backslash Star Trek pod. And you know what's fun? It's fun that we get to not only talk about Trek, but hang out with people who like to talk about Trek. And so if fun. you want to talk about Trek with us and you're watching us live tonight, then what you can do is you can have your comment or question. You will we'll get to it at the end of the show. Just type in P-O-D, that's capital P, capital O, capital D, in the chat, and we'll get to your comment or question in the show. Payment on death? Is that what that means? Is it that band? <laughs> P-O-D from the... The early aughts? No one? Does I, 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 I do remember that? POD, yes. Don't we wish we could all forget? Yes. <laughs> Just a reminder, everyone listening to the audio version of the pod, that you can catch us on our live stream every Thursday at 9 p.m. Central. Uh, just go to StarTrekPod.co and click on that YouTube link. Uh, if you join us over there, that's where you can uh, join in the chat and, and talk to us live. And we'll, we'll see your comments and you guys can talk about how awful my facial hair is, whatever you guys want to say. Um, don't, don't do that. Don't say that, guys. <laughs> Why are you so mean? I'm working Leave him it. alone. <laughs> I know it can't work. Leave Brittany, Brittany alone. <laughs> uh, and before we jump into Lower Decks, uh, we do want to do a quick recap of Tuesday's Star Trek Day celebration. Ooh. And I'm turning that over to Mariah. Yes. So lots of very fun and exciting things happening for Star Trek Day on CBS and on the Star Trek website. I know I spent too much money on merch because they were having a sale, and I hope you did too. <laughs> um, but some exciting announcements. First of all, we have a brand new cast member who's been announced for the next season of Discovery, someone we have yet to be uh, introduced to until Star Trek Day and that is Grudge the Cat. So we are getting the cat for this season. Uh, it's apparently, apparently Brooks's uh, companion books. is a uh, books. Yes, not Brooks. Uh, books companion. Uh, it is a Maine Coon cat in real life. Uh, it's a very large cat. Very beautiful. Um, and uh, was described on the panel as being a queen of a cat. So I'm very excited about it. <laughs> um, Grudge the Cat. Grudge the cat. And we there's a, a long-standing tradition of cats in Star Trek. We Spot. had Spot, yep, on TNG. Um, that was Data's cat? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Look um, at you, Proudy Grant. I, I did it. I did a post on Instagram, and that's the only reason I think I know that. <laughs> um, there's also been a cat on the original series, so we we love cats at Star Trek. It is truly the superior pet. Um, however, if you do want to see some dog action, you can check that out on Enterprise, and apparently next week on Lower Decks. So, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, you're a, you're a cat person, and you're trying to like speak for all of us as being cat people. I'm just saying, I am a cat person, and they are the superior pet. I I am allergic, so well, uh, understandable why that would not be a pet choice for you. But anyway, enough about cats. The other, uh, the other really exciting thing we got was a brand new official trailer for season three, which has lots of brand new footage, and we have a brand new logo uh, for Disco. So I wanted to break down just a few of the key points of the trailer. I'm sure everyone like I have has watched it a gazillion times by now. Um, but life still exists. So we get Burnham being super excited when the computer tells her that there is still life in the universe. Um, the Federation still exists, but it's not what it once was. Um, they sort of described this during the panel as well, that the universe apparently took a hard left turn and an event called the burn occurred. We have yet to know what that is. Uh, the Discovery makes it through and crash lands, um, and they have to spend a good portion of this season apparently trying to find ways to fix the ship. Uh, Vulcans do still exist. We also possibly see a human-Kelpian hybrid. Um, there's a character who's talking to Saru, who has some of those facial features um, and similar ears as far as character makeup goes. Uh who's like, I knew the Federation was still out here. It's made up of the people. So there's some fan theories going around that it's a possible Kelpian human hybrid. Um, Okay. Yeah. I see the nose like similarities and stuff. I like that. like that idea. Uh, Which would be really cool to see, especially for Saru, who I'm sure is very interested to see what happens to his people. Now that they've sort of been liberated in the last season. Um, We heard from Alex Kurtzman that the Trills will be playing a big part in this new season as well as from Michelle paradise, but they didn't want to give us any other information beyond that. Uh, in the trailer, we also see some additional looks at blue DeBario and Ian Alexander, who are our new castmates that were announced earlier uh, last week. Oh yeah, yeah. We talked about that last Wait, mm-hmm. what's a trill? <laughs> I, because Clyde, do you want to take this one or do you want me to do? <laughs> it, it sounds like some Ed Hardy slang. Oh, that's no. it's trill. I don't I mean, know it otherwise. Kind of trill. No, uh, a trill is um, uh, it's a symbiotic being. Pump the brakes. Sorry, <laughs> I had to know <laughs> that 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 has a the ability to share a con- uh, consciousness with an individual, but they live like forever, and so they kind of they'll take on a host. And they can kind of relive. So they can be male, female. They can, they really can go on. And so the best known trill. It's not. The best known trill that we, I think, in in the Star Trek universe is Dax from DS9. If if Mike was here and not on the He would tell us all about it. Dax Shepard. Okay. Nope. I'm I'm familiar (laughs) with the actor. Got it. Ah, yes. That's a great one. Um, <laughs> yes, this is good. I this is super nerd lore, but yes, if you think about the Tokra from Stargate SG One, Grant Eiser mm. glazing over, very nope. similar. All right, I haven't it's, seen that season. I haven't seen the Stargate season of Star Trek. Yeah. 
I don't know what you're talking about. The Stargate season of Star Trek. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Oof. Is it, it's not the same universe? Okay. okay. I'll say both shows did film in Canada. That's about all they have in common. That's about it. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. I'll try to stop uh, interrupting you. Right. <laughs> um, some other fun new things we saw in the trailer. We see our beloved comedy trio is still together. We have Stamets, Tilly, and Tig. Um, we also have new badges um, in parts of the trailer. They're not wearing the same com badges, so there's a little bit of a difference there. Badges? Uh, badges? We yeah. don't need no stinking badges. Oh, there it is. There you go. Is it that um, they're bigger? Tip your wait- waitresses. They almost look like shells. I don't know. It's I'll have to see them beyond it just like flashing, but um, the Federation flag also gets another preview, but there's only six stars, so it's obviously a, a very decreased amount of members in the Federation. Also, big question answered, Saru is in a captain's uniform and is in the chair in parts oh, of the preview. So The man in the chair. Boo, boo, boo. So we're going to see some Saru as captain for how long, who knows, but it's definitely there. Um, and then we also get a possible new little romance for Burnham. And it is not Ash Tyler, everybody. So be excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yes. It, it looks like it's books, right? Yes, it definitely looks like books. Um, and then just a big shout out to Screen Rant, who had some great stills for this breakdown. I really appreciate that. So I don't have to keep pausing the trailer over and over again. Oh, I'm I'm glad you did that. I was about to give you so much love, Mariah. I was like, wow, you caught a <laughs> lot of things in that trailer. It's really impressive. So uh, m- my question now, based on this trailer we've seen, is do we think they're going to spend the whole season in the future? Do you think at the very end they're going to figure out a way to jump back? Or is this like the new reality of this show? Is this time period? I mean, from the panel, I think they're going to want to stay in the future. They're very excited as like a writer's room to be coming up essentially with brand new Star Trek canon. They're in a place where nothing else has been written about before. Mm -hmm. So they really have full play. And I think when you get a room together that is trying to be both respectful of what's come before it, but give it a little bit more excitement, that's definitely the place I would want to be. And I think it gives them... um, you know, there was, I think Alex Kurtzman or Michelle Paradise mentioned that um, Sinequa Martin-Green had such a blast filming this particular season. Um, and when asked why, she said from now on, her character is no longer living in fear and she just gets to play with hope. And so oh. her character really gets to grow this season. So I'm really excited about that for her. Yeah, I, I'll add, look, I know that nobody from the show cares what I think, but I I was always on kind of pins and needles watching and trying to figure out how are they going to rectify the fact that we're starting this prequel with this super teched out ship that we've never heard of before, right? Um, and they wrapped that up really nicely at the end of, of last season. And so I'm excited about us being in the future we we don't have to worry about the timeline. We're not impacting anything in Canada. Canon, it's all brand new. They gave us a couple seasons of this prequel. And now basically what we're getting is a brand new track. It's actually pretty ingenious when you think about how they use the old to give us a brand new show. 
I'm excited. I do not want to go backwards. I want to kind of push us forward and see what they can do with this, with the jump start that they've gotten. I'd also imagine there's something pretty hefty and unethical about the idea of them going in, into the future, interacting and engaging with all these people and being familiar with how life has moved on to this stage. And then jumping back in time with the risk of the butterfly effect of completely altering that and just genociding everything that they've interacted with up in like the thousand years in the future, right? Yeah. It's not it's not as simple as just going and snagging a couple whales and jumping back to the future. They can't just do that. If they go back and like, oh, they're going to go and prevent uh, the burn that messes up the Federation or whatever, um, that would have massive ramifications on the existence of people they've met <laughs> in the future. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe that is like a conundrum they eventually have to face. Like, I think that's an interesting problem, you know, for them to have to to think about, you know, and it could be down to like some personal decisions on what they want to see happen for the future right. and, you know, what they think the the new future can look like now that they are in it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I was going to say this, you know, before we start the show, when we get to talk about tonight or the the episode of Lord Dex tonight, I thought it had this very interesting commentary on what it means to be Starfleet. And mm-hmm. we've often talked on this pod about this idea of kind of this 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 utopian society, right? Um, but what they've given us is kind of the best of both worlds. Right. So now we're not looking and worried about, well, how does this line up to this idea of this evolved society that the Federation is when we think about TNG and Voyager and DS9 and the character that people live in? We clearly see that the Federation has crumbled somewhat, that there has been this burn, that that the world is not the way it was. And so now we really are looking at storylines that are going to be more kind of, you know, they're going to be deeper and richer and have more nuance because the emotion and the character building is, is, is going to be able to, to incorporate these emotions that TNG and Voyager couldn't really get to, right? Greed and selfishness. We couldn't really get to those. It, it, it's going to be fascinating. We're going to get a, it's a new show. Right. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, the, the only way you can have someone go back in time is if they uh, the entire galaxy is going to explode and then they hop in the ship and kind of jump back, right, or whatever. But this was what you had discussed. I think both of you guys had kind of mentioned this in, in a, a ways back when we were talking about, like, uh, fantasy TV, Star Trek pitches, the idea of, like, what if you could go back and see the origins of Starfleet forming? And now we kind of get this, what if you get a do-over mm-hmm. with a a group that has that kind of the best qualities of what you guys feel represent Starfleet and they get to kind of build what it is again from the ashes. Kind of cool. Cool concept. Yeah, yeah. All right. but you, know, you <laughs> so, got you got Georgia who's going to mess all that up, but Oh, Georgia. Oh, in some way shape or form. I know they we get a small glimpse of her kicking ass in what looks like a bar and I'm like, oh, I'm already so here for all of these fight scenes they're gonna shove her back on discovery and push a button that shoots her back in the past they're like bye 
I mean, fun. time travel is so prevalent throughout Star Trek. I have no doubt they will find a way to write her to be able to go back into Section 31. Or who knows? Maybe Section 31 takes place in this future. You know, mm. we we don't know what that show is going to look like um, quite yet. But a- Ash Tyler's like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. Um But just a few other things from Star Trek Day, just to wrap it up. Um, It was a day celebrating. It's been 54 years since the original series first aired. Um, There is also a panel for uh, Voyager, which is celebrating its 25th anniversary, which is bananas to think about. Um, And then on the Picard and TNG uh, panel, it was just Sir Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes. Um, and and what's really funny and like a beautiful segue into today's episode was they talked about a particular episode of TNG um, called A Fistful of Datas, which is when the holodeck goes uh, crazy and Worf and his son are stuck on the holodeck with uh, Deanna Troy in a Wild West sort of uh, world. And it's a, it's a fun, fun watch. We did it as a watch along in the Slack and we had a really good time. But it is one of the most... Uh, I would say it is like a classic Trek episode as the holodeck goes crazy. So I'm really excited that we get to talk about this today. Um, And then finally, the lower deck panel was really great with some insights from the cast, as well as Mike McMahon saying that the last half of the season is his favorite. Um, He says, we're going to see some plot points sort of carrying over um, episode to episode. And they gave us a little bit of a sneak peek of some footage for the rest of the season. And it's still just as layered with tons and tons of jokes and then just so I don't forget, they, they had a panel for every show. So Enterprise and Deep Space Nine were also excellent panels. I would recommend them to folks for sure. They're available on the Star Trek website. Um, and then Mika Bar- uh, Burton was a excellent moderator. It's LeVar's uh, daughter, was one of the other moderators of the panels, along with Will Wheaton, who was very Will Wheaton. And he loves Star Trek so much. <laughs> will Wheaton's going to Will Wheaton. Yep. Um <laughs> If you guys are ready, let's go ahead and talk about Lower Decks. Let's do it. This was episode six, titled Terminal Provocations, written by John Cochran, directed by Bob Suarez from uh, Big Mouth and Solar Opposites. And if you are new here, you're probably familiar with other podcasts giving their hot takes on things. But since this is Star Trek Discovery Pod, oh no, folks, we don't give you a hot take. What we give you is a hot freak. Hot freaks. There we go. <laughs> I wasn't Hot sure freaks. you were just going to yell it at the very end. No, I was no, waiting no. for it. No, you, <laughs> you guys scolded me last time. I was like, oh, I was being a little, little greedy, greedy Grant. I can't do that this time. Um, <laughs> Clyde, do you want to kick things off? What did you think about this episode? You know, I thought this was a really interesting episode because we we get a couple interesting commentaries, right? So as Mariah mentioned a moment ago, there is this commentary on the holodeck and about the holodeck. And I love this idea of like, well, let's just go learn this on the holodeck. And it's like, oh yeah, it is, you know, useful for more than just talking to this random list of historical characters, which we <laughs> saw so frequently on Star Trek. Um, and so I like that it's poking fun at the, these questions that we've all kind of had rolling in the back of our mind. But my favorite thing had to be this concept of, um, I'm so Starfleet, or that's not Starfleet, or this is what Starfleet is. And it just made me think about the fact that um, I was watching another sci-fi show, this new show called Away 
on Netflix. This is, I'm, you know, I'm big in the space and space operas. What? And yes, just a little bit. So, so I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself, you've got all these personalities in these characters and I'm thinking about my office, right? Mike always calls this a, a workplace, a workplace comedy. And I'm thinking about how in my workplace, there's always a couple people who just like rock the boat or kind of are not pulling their weight or just are weird, right? You, there's always one. And if you're not sure if you can find them, it's probably you. Um, and so I'm thinking, but in Star Trek, we never really see that. There's never like a main character who's just kind of off. Everybody's so Starfleet. Um and I was just thinking that, wow, if you're on this mission forever and you've got that coworker that drives you nuts, it's, it's going to be a long trip. And that's <laughs> what we got in this. It, it, so it felt a little real. It felt like, okay, even in a place where everyone's so Starfleet, you know you've got to screw up. You know you've got somebody who's just a problem. Uh, and we saw that with Fletch. And so I was enjoying this kind of realness and thinking about the the dynamics of pers- personalities kind of trapped on a starship, right? It's this, it's a space submarine and you're in there forever. Um, and so I thought that was a really interesting take about kind of protecting your job and wanting to to impress people and all these things. And so I was truly, I truly enjoyed that. I enjoyed the banter between um mariner and boimler and i am so happy you know at the end you know i was worried when they said that fletch was transferred to titan as you guys know i i'm a fan of the titan novels and so the idea that he was transferred to one of my favorite ships was a little annoying to me you but he got and fired. boimler you and boimler I, both yes. going no <laughs> and he got fired and i was like that works out. I'm okay now. Like for just, it was like a moment where I was kind of like, no, and I was like, all right, thank you. So ultimately, I, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, yeah, going off of that, I think that this was a really fun episode in the A, the B, the C plot lines, all of it. Like I really enjoyed the one. I I bitched I think last episode about like the idea of oh, are they gonna just pair Rutherford and Tendi again? Mm-hmm. Um. But what they did with them this week was really playful, really fun, and adventurous. And so I was fully engaged. Having them in the holodeck and having it turn into a comedic horror where the where the paperclip assistant, Badgie. basically, Badgie, <laughs> is, is a murdering and ripping people's heads off. I was like, oh, the violence I can get away with on this cartoon is fantastic. And chasing them, um, jumping through different environments and trying to figure out a way uh, to to combat it fully engaging and i thought it did a great job of giving me even more of a window into rutherford in particular but um but they i i mean i think we can all definitely see what they're doing with the relationship now with rutherford and tendy they have they have intent there and i'm i'm a-okay with it i'm excited about that um before you before you leave that grant you have to appreciate the fact that they took one of the most beloved symbols of Star Trek, the badge, and turned it into a homicidal killer. 
<laughs> a homicidal killer and like the bane of the 90s uh, clip assistant <laughs> icon. I mean, it was basically the same character, right? Hi, can I help you? I'm going to murder you. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, you know, taking a look at uh, Boimler and um, what's her name? Mariner. Mariner. The, the, the strengthening of their relationship as well as, as um, solidifying what, what Starfleet represents to them. I thought was very important in a show that loves to kind of mock a lot of what Star Trek is to still kind of show that degree of reverence and contrast them against someone who, who is acts very unethically and, and uh, is very disingenuous. Like, like Fletcher ultimately ended up being. And I think we all knew as soon as we saw this new introduction of a character like Fletcher, we're like, "Uh Oh, something's going to be off with this guy. And we're not going to see him next episode. (laughs) They ain't introducing a new character in this way. Um, and then you know, ultimately the or the uh, the C plot where the bridge crew was just trying to go negotiate with the other ship was kind of funny to me. The whole premise of like we can't really get into a battle here, so it's like this this delicate p- pissing match that they're having until they start shooting debris at them. It was it was all really amusing to me, and it just flowed together and then culminated in a really great way at the end. So. I liked this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes I think I've seen. Yeah, I also really enjoyed this episode. I felt like it was such a loving homage to 90s Trek in so many ways. Um, You know, from the hollow uh, deck going rogue, from connecting brains to the computer, to aggravating amounts of diplomacy. (laughs) Like I can, I could just hear Shax replaced with Worf yelling at Picard of wanting to like, let's just fire on their warp core. Like, (laughs) um, so I thought that was just like a fun little like moment there between the two of them and, and, uh, you know, captain Freeman being like, no, we will solve this with diplomacy. Um, I'm hoping that this is a true setup for the next couple of episodes because I think there's something interesting with like the wreckage and the artifacts. So I'm like, maybe there's going to be something on those that's going to have an effect on the rest of the ship for the rest of the season. Um, And then from like the promo images, I did see we get to uh, see some star bases, which I think will also be really uh, cool and new and interesting. You know, we really only see those predominantly on Deep Space Nine and then like a few moments through TNG. Um, But we're usually always on a ship. and I just loved listening to all of those wild bananas lines delivered by Jack McBrayer as Clippy, a.k.a. Badgie. <laughs> like, all of those, I'm going to wear your eyeballs. Like, <laughs> they were <laughs> insane. Um, and I also really appreciated, and I think it was something we were noting before, that, you know, we don't want to just see this main cast just, like, fuck up over and over again. We want to see them, like, shine. And this was them shining, which I think is why it felt much more Star Trek-y to me. Um, you know, and I th- I saw, like, James Worm mentioned that some of the violence in the holodeck program took him out a little bit. But I would say that because it's the holodeck, it feels a little bit different. And plus, we've always sort of played with that trope of, like, what can happen on the holodeck can sometimes hurt real people but if it is just holograms is it real people and like that weird ethical dilemma that comes up a lot um and then you know i think 
Tendi and Rutherford are going to be adorable. I loved when their boots locked. It was right. very cute. <laughs> the whole, like, just the back of I was there. I was like, oh, the boots are knocking already. Okay. Um, and then, you know, Mariner and Boimler finally get that moment to show that together they can clean up the big mess because together they're better than just being individuals. So I really enjoy that they got to show off their skills. And um, I will say maybe I spoke too soon about cats being a superior um, pet because I now have one that's meowing at my door that I need to let out. So one second. <laughs> uh, well, OK, so. Well, I think I, I want to address James's yeah. comment because I think. You know, normally in any other situation, I'm with you, James. The gratuitous violence would take me right out of track. I don't know if it's the fact that this is animation. I don't know that if it was this caricature of Badgie that was reminiscent of Clippy. It was, there was a secret sauce there that made it work for me. Because normally I would be absolutely out on that. Um, but this made it more funny. It was almost, maybe it was the holodeck. Um, but it felt like, oh, this is a Saturday Night Live Star Trek skit. Like, this isn't, it's not real. This isn't really happening. This is just kind of, this is, they're going to be okay. And it's, it's funny. Yeah, that's where it, it definitely took the turn where you see the influence of Rick and Morty of like, we are in a holodeck playground. So can we just go ahead and be, you know, a little bit over the top with some violence that is ultimately meaningless meaningless because these are holograms. Mm-hmm. And I, as an outsider to Trek, absolutely not only loved it, but felt in a weird bloodlust way like I needed it. <laughs> like I was like, yes, that is the sort of edge that I want that I feel isn't going to be, at least for me, too offensive. Um, or too degrading to the world that is Trek. If if they did it in the real world, if they landed on a planet and like people were ripping each other's heads off, sure, I, I get that. That's a little bit beyond the pale. But here, it just totally fit, and I was like, that is that gives high stakes to the murderous rampage that is Clippy. While I don't know, we see we see that kind of violence everywhere else at this point. I feel like I'm desensitized to a degree, but it, it was it was fun. <laughs> yeah, but I I think to to the, our listeners' point, we do see it everywhere, just usually not here. And and if you're looking for a safe harbor, the you kind of you you typically think Star Trek will give it to you. This ain't your granddad's Star Trek. I'll yeah. tell you that. And and that's but I, so I think it's a fair kind of comment, right? Because if Definitely. you think about all the stuff that we see, whether it's on reality television or horror or drama, for the most part, all of that is left out of Trek, right? Trek is pretty wholesome, very CBS, I mean, and now it's different. Now, yeah, I was like, Chippy, good point. I was like, we've seen people totally shot down, but it because of like the time slots and because of the way networks work, like you just didn't get all the blood that you do now on like The Walking Dead and all these other things that are on air at this point, you know? So I definitely think the the idea of death and violence is not new to Trek, but I think the amount of blood we saw in this episode was definitely more than we've ever seen before. But I will say we also just saw on Picard, someone get blown up. So it's like, you know, new Trek is new Trek and it's, it's a whole new world in some ways, I guess, to, to keep up with what else is on TV. F bombs and, and showing Klingon nipples. And now (laughs) this, 
I what mean, is going on? Klingons on Discovery ate people. So, I mean, this mm-hmm. is a this is a darker track. That's a fair point. That was true. Um, okay, so let's jump in and talk about that cold open. The cold open where they're all, <laughs> all of them are getting kind of excited in lower decks about replicating different, um, uh, yeah, the sounds of the ship noises. Get in there, Grant. Come on. <laughs> if someone just tuned in, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You can come phaser us now and tackle Grant. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed how this was, how everyone was getting really excited. Even like where you think that Mariner isn't going to want to be, she's going to be like a little bit uh, sticking the mud cool about for this. school. Yeah. Like, like oh, what yeah. are you nerds doing? But no, she was all like, oh no, it's totally like this. And they were all making these different noises. Um, I was a little, the only part where I didn't like it was when Ransom comes in and thinks it's like some threat. I thought it was kind of funny, but then him tackling and Boimler makes a noise and she goes, oh, it is higher. I didn't fully get what was, was she suddenly hearing what the actual engine noise was or did he, his Mm -hmm. yell sound like the engine noise? No. So I, I turned up the volume and there is a low hum. So it's totally like a sound effect joke, I believe. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was missing when I was listening to it quietly um, earlier. But I, I mean, I kind of wish that Ransom had just kind of joined in with them and been like, oh, no, 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 it's totally this. <laughs> like, that's what I wanted to see, that that kind of bridging the gap between upper deck and lower deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this was a this was a moment where you're right, Mariah, in the fact that you've got these characters who have different levels of cool, different levels of like you know, geeky or nerdy nerdiness. And in this moment, they all came together and kind of showed their dork, you know, their dorkness, their mutual dorkiness. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. All together. And it's a, it's a great moment. It is like when you're hanging around a bunch of people and you find that common thing that all makes you nerds. Um, And you're right, Grant. It was ruined by ransom. Well, because if they're all, anyone who's in Star Trek has to be a little bit of a geek, right? You have to have yeah. had that nerdy passion that led you to want to be a part of what Starfleet is. It seems like that's kind of that uh, that cutoff threshold. So, Ransom, come on, man. You, you should have heard them doing that and joined in. Because that would have that just sealed the extra nerdy layer of that joke. They think, oh, we're busted. And he's like, no. That's actually this noise. <laughs> That could have been fun, but it is fun to see Boimler just get tackled. I, I, I'll say it's, it's also not a bad, bad physical joke for me. <laughs> Mike doesn't like Boimler. He would have just loved that part. I'm sure. It's true. <laughs> um, so I loved the fact that they, I, I, I have a deep love for off screen characters. I think they're very funny and they add, like, it just reminds me of old sitcoms, you know, like on Frasier where we get Maris and, um, you know, there's there's this history, right, of people we don't ever get to see. The naked man on Friends, right, um, that's across the way. Mm. And here we get the 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 choo-choo dancers. I was like, I want to see the choo-choo dancers, but Three they're choos. never going to. Choo-choo-choo. Revolutionary. But we're, we're not going to get to see it. And so I have, like, I, I enjoy the fact that they're doing that and they're, like, leaving this little nugget. I'm like, well, maybe we'll come back to the to this group and the choo-choo dance but will anyway 100 percent see people wearing choo-choo shirts so. oh always at, con- at cons it's 
it's going to be a super easy, uh, you know, uh, con outfit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Already ordering mine online. So what what do you guys think of the Fletcher character as he's introduced? Because he's introduced in a, a particular way where he seems embraced by the group. He seems to have a a very valuable asset in that he's able to um, calm down tense situations and appease everyone and like diffuse tension. I, I liked and him. And then there's a 180. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked him. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Right up until the moment he agreed to do the work for Mariner and Boimler. That was the tell. I'm like, everybody else is excited about these choo-choo dancers. And you're like, yeah, go ahead. I got this. I'm going to do this work. Nice. It was too much. That was like, that, like every, it was, I was like, okay, I'm with you up until that point. And then that just, I'm like, yeah, this is not going to go well. And yeah, I would like to point out real quick that when I was saying there's like a little bit of a, like a 180 on the character personality, um, Home Chicky says that Fletch was effed up by the computer. And that does lend itself to an explanation of how he's acting remarkably different and seems to not even know how to handle tense situations anymore. If, well, if he think... felt inadequate and wanted to hook himself up to the, um, the core thing and see if it could help boost his intelligence, that might be one thing. Well, I think it's also like if he is already feeling a little inadequate and his only skill is diffusing tense situations and he's like, okay, well, if, I, I want to try to do this task faster. I'm going to try this thing. Oh, no, it failed. How can I diffuse this failure so that I am not in trouble? Right. right. Which to me, I think does play into this character who obviously doesn't like conflict or getting in trouble. Like he wants to be this neutral party that everybody likes, but there's no way to be liked when you've made a big mistake. And so he's trying to find a way to get out of it is is the the way I sort of viewed the character, but I can definitely see like it it definitely felt like a shift because you're like, oh, everyone really likes you. And then you're like, oh no, you're really dumb. Like <laughs> Right. I, I wish that in the beginning sequence, and I I wouldn't have necessarily thought it was a tell so much, but if they had a line in there or two that showed a little bit of that side of his insecurity as well, everyone's like, oh, I mean, great, he man. was, and he was just like, yeah, I know, I wish I was as, as smart as you guys about you know all the stuff that you do, but I love being a part of the team, or it's just just something. As I mean, as he that, was right? chugging cantaloupe out of the the replicator. <laughs> How much dumber does he need to be? Grant? To me, it was like the equivalent of of the character being introduced doing a keg stand, but it's like the the Starfleet keg stand. Fair I was point. thinking the same thing, Mariah. I was but like, I found him his most relatable stand. right there. <laughs> I was like, I would do that. <laughs> I had to like watch it a few times and put on the captions. I was like, what is he chugging? And then I saw cantaloupe puree, and I was like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't sound good. I love. <laughs> I love how Boy was so excited. He might break a record. <laughs> you know, but we, we all know those people who win affection and friends by eating either any hot ins- stuff, weird stuff, hot I'm, stuff, a I'm lot right of here. stuff, or weird stuff. Right? right? I'm right here. I know. We've got our own right over there. <laughs> right there. That's, that's our own. Um, and so to me, I was kind of like, all right, well, this is a guy who's there's, there's an insecurity there when you're chugging cantaloupe from a replicator. Right. 
I mean, it's, that's not even that weird. It's just cantaloupe. It's just a lot of it. As Sardonyx uh, Spinell points out, he's the coworker that you like, but is horrible at their job. <laughs> and yes, I have the friend and the coworker, all those people. Well, not coworker. I was about to say. Who? I was like, um, you <laughs> only have two coworkers. On the <laughs> Hold up, one of my coworkers is right there. Uh, no, but um, I, I've had in the past coworkers and and friends that I definitely can go. Oh yeah, you are a bit of a Fletcher now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that. I also love that. So Fletcher is voiced by Tim Robinson, which I don't know if y'all are familiar with him, but he was a writer and a performer on SNL. And then he did Detroiters. And then that like sketch comedy show on Netflix called, I think you should leave. And one of my, (laughs) one of my favorite episodes of, I think you should leave is when he's wearing the hot dog and he's crashed into the building. And he's like, what are we going to do about this? Who did this? And I was like, Oh my God, it's Fletcher 2.0. Like, (laughs) We all want to know who the who per, <laughs> was the person that did this. <laughs> Everyone's just staring at him. You son of a bitch. Anyway, but yeah, so I love that that he was voicing Fletcher in particular because I was like, oh man, he's really good at playing that guy who is like very likable, but inevitably has some sort of character flaw that just makes you like almost want to smack him across the face and be like, are you paying attention? Like, <laughs> it, it just makes it all the better. And you know, I, I thought that what we saw of Boimler and Mariner now like excited to go together to a concert, them working together to fight against Fletcher afterwards, the, their whole bonding in this arc was it's, it's felt really organic. The pro- pro- progression through the past uh, six episodes from when they seem a little bit more like an odd couple to them, them earning this friendship. And it's, it is an impressive story arc that I really do appreciate on this show. I appreciate it. I just don't want them to date. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. And I don't, it, it feels very platonic, like genuine friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is always that, uh, you know, unfortunately we're still at the point where like, uh, when we see, you know, male and female characters that aren't explicitly stated to be uninterested in opposite gender folks you know that you're like oh is there the possibility that they're going to be romantically involved or have crushes on each other and so you know i think that tension was broken last episode when you know you could have interpreted that as mariner being jealous of boimler's girlfriend but instead we see them blossom in this episode as true friends and co-workers and so i'm glad we're getting to see that sort of pathway for them because then on the flip side we get to see rundy which is <laughs> is that the, is that the one you've come up with? I've I, I did some searching on the internet to see if anyone else was referring to them as anything. Are there any hashtags currently out there? And Rundy seems to be the one that's happening the most. I'm, I'm staying with Tenderford. I do like Tenderford. <laughs> it's it's too much typing. I like Rundy. I'm I'm with it. I like it being shorter. So yeah, so I'm glad we get to see sort of the two parallels there because we we have had romances on Star Trek with you know uh, with folks coworkers and stuff, and you're stuck on a starship with people for years at a time. It, it's going to happen. So I'm glad they're only going to have it, half the cast going for that. Right. Yeah, and, you can ask Riker and Troy about that awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's not um, fair to have this particular assessment, but I I got the impression from the first episode that Rutherford might 
be a bit of a player, I guess. Like he might have be like he might date a lot, and kind of him taking a step back from that and actually developing a little bit more of a a mutual respect relationship um, with Tendi and and allowing that to kind of blossom into a romance rather than what uh you know i thought they made a couple lines in the first episode and maybe i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong that made it seem like oh another date you're going on another date yeah i'm gonna go on a date with this other lady so i think that that kind of shift in how he might approach his relationship with her and that there is an absolute respect for for her her brilliance and her enthusiasm and just like a like they they seem already like they've hit that friendship level and if it moves beyond that that's that's all the better i think for me as far as the the characters well i i think it's more accurate right because when we go back to shows like tng and voyager you've got a you've got a bunch of people dare i say trapped in a ship for months, sometimes years at a time. And we almost rarely saw relationships. That's not real. That is not real. And then I think what we're seeing with Rutherford is exactly that. Yeah, like you're in a ship, you're gonna you're probably gonna date around a little bit. Hopefully you're, you know, appropriately cautious because mm-hmm. you know, you you really don't want to upset somebody who you know, you have to depend on to save your life later. Right. It's It reminds me more of like a, a Paris and Torres sort of situation where they're co-workers first and you get to see them sort of shine on their own. And then eventually we get the romance. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to, uh, there was a couple of things within the, um, the, the A plot of you, if you will, of Mariner and, and Boimler when Fletcher is finally, fired um and uh or is on the titan and is promoted (laughs) and then fired um you know this show takes place in 2380 and Riker took over titan in 2379 so Riker got to fire fletcher (laughs) i didn't know okay so Riker moves over to titan Oh, we could spend a whole podcast me talk talking about titan but we won't yes eyes glazed over (laughs) new ship Riker gets his after, you know, this is Riker's command ship. There's a bunch of people on it, including his, you know, wife, Deanna Troy. Um, so, yes, he got to fire. Fletcher. Fletcher. <laughs> um, and then a couple of things that were fun to me in uh, the holodeck thing. You know, we have the spacewalk scene, obviously, but then the Bajoran marketplace, I thought, was a really cool, like, holodeck sequence where we get to see some of that architecture and the uh, the Bajorans when they're not getting torn apart by Clippy. Um, but then when we finally get right. to the fight scene between... <laughs> With between Badgie and Rutherford, he goes in with the the Kirk double fist punch, you know, hands right. clasped, which is I think I'm I'm excited that they keep sort of making that reference with any of the muscular like dudes on the ship when they're fighting. That's always what they go for. <laughs> Their go to move. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then that like weird father son dialogue at the end <laughs> made me laugh so much. <laughs> Very odd. With the uh, the uh, Man of Steel Superman like head twist yeah. to kill him at the end. <laughs> so he, he kills the bad. I was like, he doesn't have a neck. a neck. How do you fake his neck? <laughs> and yet he did it. It was so good. Um, I had a question about the Bajoran market thing mm-hmm. because um, I don't. I, I'm only getting glimpses of what the Bajoran whole relationship is, but it's, is a Bajoran and Cardassian? Is that right? Like they're the ones who fought and the Cardassians killed a bunch of Bajorans. Am Mm -hmm. I wrong there? That is correct. Wasn't it more like almost like a slaughter or genocide of the Bajorans and they're kind of a, an unfortunate victim in the galaxy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So but we also that, see, we see da- da- uh, Shax on the bridge is also Bajoran. Who's the big security officer. So, okay. The, mm-hmm. yep. But, but then to land on the planet and have another entity, a bad come in and slaughter them. And start slaughtering them. Is this, is this like a, a sort of, really dark humor are they the the red shirts yeah right yeah the red shirts of the galaxy um i i mean it is like a an interesting choice that they made to go to the bajoran marketplace and have (laughs) badgie start just taking people out um but i would i would hope that they're being a little more sensitive to that than that but it's a fair fair critique I, I I wonder if if sensitivity was at the forefront there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm know. not sure. Um, and yeah, then go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say the um, uh, there's like a big. So I was reading a couple of re- recaps. You know, I like to do that after I uh, watch the episodes just to see if there's things that I missed. And Ryan Britt, who's a writer for SciFi.com. So, well, first I'll go through. Do you want to hear all the holodeck heroes that we got listed? Yes. So we had Sherlock Holmes, Robin Hood, Sigmund Freud, Cyrano de Bergiac, Einstein, Stephen Hawking, Socrates, and Da Vinci. Um, were all the ones that were mentioned, but specifically the the Cyrano de Bergiac is like an interesting deep cut for for a TNG reference because um, he actually never appeared as a holographic character. Um, the uh, Lieutenant Barclay played Cyrano de Bergiac briefly in an episode, the ninth degree, nth degree uh, episode. Um, and so, you know, Barclay, who's like a hologram addict, merges his mind with the ship's computer. So very much like uh, Fletcher in this one to become an insane human AI hybrid. Um, and so, you know, this happens to Fletcher at lower decks, but it also is just kind of like a, a quick little reference back to Cyrano, Cyrano de Bergiac, um, who actually wasn't a hologram, but was a person who sort of became a hologram. <laughs> anyway, it's fun, nerdy, deep Star Trek references. So I appreciated that. <laughs> uh, can I ask a question about yeah. Picard and um, Patrick Stewart? Him being on the show seems like he came from a very well-respected theater background, right? Mm-hmm. Before mm-hmm. he was on the show. Was it some sort of stipulation that he made? If I'm going to be on this show, you need to have me interacting with Shakespeare and <laughs> Serrano de Bergerac and like all I mean, these people so I can still be the thespian even aboard this ship. I mean, it's like something they've played throughout all of the series, though. Like Shakespeare in like, you know, 20th century and, and earlier literature gets referenced all throughout the original series. Um, oh, okay. You know, 
TNG. Uh, they don't have a holodeck, but they, you know, there's lots of pulled lines, even in the movies. Um, remember, there's we went through all of the the many Shakespeare references <laughs> that happen on that. Um, and then Voyager uh, is also played around with the holodeck and history and in, in these characters as well. Very, very Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all, all of the people that are, are pulling in there and i was just like oh it just feels so patrick stewart to want to be like i got to act <laughs> acting um, on the holodeck can we go back in time because this is really what i want to do right now to trick or not to trick that is the question do you have uh, any other uh cool little facts yeah, so uh, the the Drukmani captain is voiced by J.G. Uh, uh, Hertzler, who is uh, a Star Trek just like total alumni. He's been characters, many characters for Voyager, Deep Space Nine, um, and has done voices for the video games as well. Um, and then the only other one was uh, the one I think is the most obvious is the the Sulu Alpha evasive pattern, which is obviously a reference back to to Sulu. So I, I did catch the voice. I was like, man, if that doesn't sound like, you know, Goldacott or Goldacet or, mm-hmm. or Klingon, I was like, I know that voice anywhere. Yeah, he's played a ton of characters. Well, um, if you are watching us on YouTube right now, I want to go ahead and encourage that if you do have any comments or questions and maybe we missed them uh, earlier in the episode, feel free to repost them right now. You can type POD at the front. You can also uh, ask new questions or give your own thoughts on this episode or the ongoing series right now. And we'll get to those in just a minute. And I, I will say earlier, like way earlier, someone on Twitch asked us uh, what program would we run in a holodeck? <laughs> I think that's a, a, a good place for us to start. What would you guys prefer to run in a holodeck? Man, what what wouldn't I give for a holodeck specifically right now? Like <laughs> to be able yeah. to You're not like, be. I would, I would go back to 2014. <laughs> I mean, so many places. But I think, uh, you know, I would primarily, I think, use it for like relaxation purposes like maybe stroll the streets of paris for an afternoon and then hit up a grecian beach sounds great maybe then end up going for like amazing food in thailand that sounds like a great afternoon (laughs) i mean i'm with mariah and the fact that the idea of being able to spend time in paris and tokyo and greece um you know athens um you know south africa uh, you know, Brazil, like you name it and you don't have to pack any luggage or deal with the customs or TSA. None of that. You just get to show up. I would absolutely do that. Um, but also I think I'd be curious about playing the role of either, um, incredible sports events, right? So taking on the role of Walter Payton in the 1985 bears versus Patriots Super Bowl. Or Michael Jordan and Bulls in any of the games in the 90s or something like that. I just go like, oh, my body doesn't move that way. <laughs> <laughs> At all. It would be, but in the holodeck, it It could, yeah. Really? Okay. I oh. mean, the I know Clyde froze, Clyde, but... what happened? Oh, no. I'm going to drop him out for a second. <laughs> He'll come back. But uh, the other thing I was going to think about, though, is like with all the traveling perks... I would imagine then you could like holodeck 
museums with no people in them, which is like ideal situation. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. And you know, I was thinking I would totally um take a trip to like Mars. If I could just like mm. be not not to be such a brooding Dr. Manhattan, but be like Dr. Manhattan, just go to Mars and and have a floating crystal uh castle where I could go tour around what's going on on that planet, just inspect it. And that'd be really rad. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if Clyde's gone. Oh no. Has he not come back yet? Well, I hope looking at it, it's still, oh, he, he just dropped out. Maybe he'll, he'll pop back he'll, in. He'll try back up. Um, we, she asked uh, an interesting question. Yeah. So the, I mean, there's lots of like frozen people or, 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 I mean, even to, uh, uh, con, you know, uh, we get frozen folks in different civilizations. I feel like we just got the the frozen people reference in an episode earlier in the season. So I'm not sure what's going to end up um, in those boxes, but I hope that plays into the rest of the season. Do you think there's some foreshadowing that there's going to be frozen people a la Khan or this, um, as, as Chupi's saying, the reference to frozen cryo princesses? Um, like there, there might be some people that dethaw and it's this sort of our, our ship, the, the Cerritos, is that Cerritos, what it is? Yeah. Which is typically second contact has suddenly a, an opportunity thrust on them. That is first contact. If they recover this, all this ancient ship, these ship parts, and that becomes a running through line for the rest of the uh, series. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. Cause like what took down the ship and it was a hundred years ago. So a hundred years ago from this time frame would be around like voyage home and the whales. So it could be, um, oh, man. there could be all kinds of interesting. Is it the remnants of, uh, the original enterprise, you know, like all kinds of fun stuff in there. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. That, that'd be super crazy, but exciting. Um, James Warren says, was this the first time the tractor beam was used to hurdle projectiles at a ship? Genius. I don't, I can't remember another time, but yeah, it was very funny. It was an interesting way to deal with like them being in conflict with uh, another ship that didn't have any weapons, you know, and, and them trying so hard not to engage. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we got a, a good question from, or a good comment from Kern saying, I was bummed we didn't see a Riker or Troy voice cameo at the end of the episode, which is, yeah, that's a good point. Now that I know. I know it could have just been like yelling in the background. (laughs) Right. And Clyde, you're back. Clyde. What up, man? (laughs) Don't be like that. You only missed a few questions. (laughs) Internet. Um, I was going to, oh, what was I just going to say about, oh, another thing they did reveal during Star Trek Day, and I wanted to wait till the end of this because we get so many mentions of Q in this particular episode. They have confirmed that Q is going to be a character um, this season. Oh, they do keep mentioning Q mm-hmm. a lot in the all the episodes. Okay. And the original actor is going to voice the character. Nice. I, I was going to ask that. Oh, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Let me just say, I of course know who Q is, but for people who don't, <laughs> could you explain who Q is? Because I have no clue. Well, in order to explain Q, Grant, do you understand Oof. who R is? Is this some weird Trump no, I'm just messing with you. I'm I don't just, know what Q is. Just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. Q, Q is a 
collection of omnipotent, omnipresent beings um, who... Like the Watcher in Marvel or something? Like these people that like can see all and occasionally interact with that shit? Oh, no. They interact all the time because they're bored. So this Q? is... Yeah, the Q. So you have a bunch of them, but they're all called Q. And there's one in particular that became fascinated with humans, in particular Picard, um, and just would show up occasionally and disrupt things basically because they were bored. Okay. Okay. I think it's going to be really fun, especially like with animation, the amount of tomfoolery that Q can, can wreak havoc upon this crew is going to be very interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't I don't fully know what to make of it. <laughs> I I'm sure the take that lower decks will have on what Q is will be very fascinating. And oh thank you, James Warren. James Warren pointed out no Beyonder from Marvel, I think I have a much better frame of reference for it than, than the than the watchers. Um cool. Uh I think that's about it. Did you guys have any other uh, thoughts on the episode? Um, oh, Clyde, just a question that popped up earlier, and I thought just to double check with you. Have you ever seen um, them use the tractor beam to throw projectiles at each other? <laughs> N- no, never throw projectiles at each other. I think I've seen a tractor beam used to push something, um, but I didn't even know they could it seems push so, it to a weight that it could then use it as so a hilariously petty <laughs> to just it that shit. especially it, it's literally when you think about it it's somebody bring a rock to a gunfight right <laughs> i love that it's just like these these space space trash collectors that are just having this like trashy redneck fight in space where like, we're just gonna throw trash at you because you won't let us collect this shit it's 100 years old let us have it <laughs> uh it's so good um all right well uh thank you so much everyone who's been watching for tuning into the pod this week and you you folks that are listening as well we want you to remember you can always find us over on youtube every thursday at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, talking Star Trek. We're going to be doing this for uh, the ongoing future. We're going to finish out Lower Decks, and as soon as Lower Decks ends, we're going to jump right into Star Trek Discovery Season 3. We'd love to have you guys join us for these because uh, they're really fun and engaging. We love to hear the thoughts that you guys have and the uh, the corrections you guys have when especially I'm talking out of my ass <laughs> about this stuff. Um, yeah, so... Uh, please join us. You can go to Star Trek dot to subscribe. Yes. And if you are listening to us on Apple podcasts or care to jump on over there, please leave us a five star review. It helps us move up the charts um, so that other people can find the show and start discussing Trek with all of you, our lovely listeners and fans, especially those folks who are on our Patreon. Don't forget if you subscribe at the $2 an episode level, you get to hang out with us in our Slack. You get to do all the fun watch alongs. We continue to break down all of the things we saw during Star Trek day. Um, 
um, and talk about any new footage or pictures or cats or whatever else we want to in there because it's our slack darn it uh and it's a good fun place also that is where we're talking about all things old trek there is a series that mike and i did uh talking about the best of seven of nine we did a few episodes and we're going to return to badass women of trek and we review all the movies so definitely hit us up on patreon.com backslash star trek pod Hey, and I just want to rem- remind all of our listeners, um, if you're on Twitter or Instagram, check us out at Star Trek Pod, tweet about the episode, subscribe, um, please. And just want to shout out two people who help us. I mean, they help really all of our socials. But Karen, who runs our Twitter, and James Worm. What's up, James? I see you in the chat. Uh, who helps runs our Insta. Thanks, guys. We oh. appreciate you. Y'all are the best. And thank you so much once again to all of you for joining us on Star Trek Discovery Pod. Clyde, where, where are you at? Where are you at on the internets? Where can people find you? You can find me right here on Twitter at Clyde Haynes, um, or you can find me on the web at www.keyandclyde.com. Mariah? I'm at Mariah Gossett on all social platforms. That's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. You can follow me on Twitter at Baron Von Grant and uh, our, our fearless leader was a little bit feared today and uh, he was not here. But Mike, you can follow him at Mike M. Garcia. You can also follow us once again at Star Trek pod on, on Twitter and Instagram. Come back and watch us live next week, Thursday at 9 p.m. Central, where we'll be covering episode seven. Much ado about Boimler. Oh, boy. <laughs> Shakespeare here we come very very Shakespearean <laughs> all right until then folks live long and what what do we what, what, live prosper long, what? do oh, it prosper. prosper make that money get rich <laughs>